The Sit With Warriors podcast originated with the concept of simply that. The idea of when you sit with warriors, the conversation is different. And when someone put it to me that way, I really sat and reflected on how many incredible women, women warriors, leaders, heroines, mentors, badass women that I think would be incredibly inspiring for others to hear from. So we put forth this podcast in the hopes of sharing stories of authenticity and of, of inspiration. All the guests I have on the podcast will share with you real and authentic stories of love and life and laughter, of moments of transition, of moments of triumph, of those moments of aha, and perhaps some of the lowest. But they're all here to share and for us to sit together. So I ask, will you share with us and sit with us? Tonight, we sit with Samantha. So I want to thank you for coming to sit with us tonight. And I'm very excited for you to share with us about your experiences as an educator during this pandemic. I'd love to hear more about, I think, from your perspective, especially with your generational ideas, too, where you're at with the whole kind of educational paradigm right now. Yeah, so... Thanks so much for having me. I've been an educator now for about seven years. I teach in secondary school, mostly English from grade nine to 12, and also social science. So that's anything from looking at psychology, sociology to social justice. Excellent. And again, definitely a very passionate area of study. And I'm sure you deal with a huge diversity of students as well. Yeah, I teach in public school and I've actually taught at the same school for the last couple of years. But before that, I was all over the place, just the nature of the job. The last couple of years, um, I've been teaching in a number of different schools with a number of different students from different educations in the public sector. So I've seen a lot. <laughs> and through those experiences, what inspires you to continue to teach and, and be delight for these students? Well, I have to say it's definitely them. I think that everything I do is for my students and seeing them and kind of hearing from them is really what drives me. Specifically, this generation, Gen Z, they are just so passionate and interested about making the world a better place. And they really are so much more informed than any other generation before them, whether that's through the internet or just their own interests. I just, they are so passionate about talking about injustices, even ways to fix climate change. And their passion really helps me want to learn more and be more accepting of everything and everyone's identities and differences. So I've really felt inspired by their passion to learn more as well. And working with Gen Z and, you know, discussing that there's definitely the idea of each generation holds their own sort of gifts and their own sort of shadow side, I guess we can call it. What are some of the challenges that you're dealing with when working within this system as well right now? Yeah, well, I think that that could be kind of twofold. Definitely a lot of there's a lot of talk about the impacts of social media and just their access to technology from such a young age. This is kind of that first generation where they've grown up with technology and grown up with social media. So I think a lot of anxieties and social anxieties have sprung from that. And I see that a lot in my students. And 
really that's just been compounded by the pandemic and the on and off lockdowns, the the quarantining, isolation from their peers. Uh, I've definitely really seen a lot of students and adults struggling with how to kind of cope with that and move forward from it. So kind of those two areas, I think, have really, like you said, kind of created the shadow for that generation for sure. And as an educator working with things like anxiety and obviously mental health, how mm-hmm. how do you navigate that from your field and how do you keep your own mental health strong during a time like this? Because it's a challenge from many, many levels, as you mentioned. Yeah, I think that like mental health advocacy is something that's really important in my own teaching. So I really try and integrate that into what I'm teaching and especially coping strategies for my students. I really have tried my best to create an open dialogue between myself and my students where they feel comfortable to come and talk to me when they are struggling, whether it's struggling with a concept or even struggling with their mental health or struggling with depression or anxiety. I've always kind of had an open door policy where students feel like they can come talk to me. And really it's created a bond Like even past when they've graduated, I've established relationships with my students where they still feel after they've kind of left my classroom that they can come to me. And I pride myself on doing that. And while I think I'm a great support for students in that way, it can sometimes be tough for myself, just having to kind of take on that burden with a lot of stories from students and their struggles. But I think that really kind of having those glimmer moments where you really see that you've made a difference for somebody, I think that that helps me keep going and keep my mental health in check. I think that feeling like I've made a difference and helped out is just really important to me. Absolutely, without a doubt. And hugely inspiring, the idea of, you know, leading by example and trying to keep your light strong. You mentioned mm-hmm. things like teaching your students coping strategies. Can you share with some of our listeners what some of those might feel and look like? Yeah, sure. So even just kind of opening up a dialogue between me and my students and giving them kind of the words to start that dialogue about talking to somebody about how they're feeling and really just kind of like you said, modeling through example that I would be someone that they can come and talk to, but even just certain like mental health techniques or even mindfulness moments. So in class, I'll often, depending on what time of the day is usually after lunchtime, if I have that class, we'll kind of come in and have like mindfulness time before we get started to just kind of turn down the lights. They're welcome to kind of do anything that they like, as long as they're not on their phones, they can doodle, they can journal, they can color, they can even just put their head down and close their eyes and just kind of modeling the time to just slow down and take a minute without all the pressure that they often feel in school and even just in their lives in general, especially with secondary students, they are often juggling schoolwork and uh, part-time jobs along with the pressures of social media and family responsibilities. So just kind of showing them it's okay to take a minute to just be with yourself and do something that feels good for you is something that I think is really important within the classroom. What a gift, without a doubt. Again, talk about allowing them to have those moments of self-care, as you mentioned, whatever that looks and feels like for them. And I appreciate that you acknowledge the fact that there is a lot of pressure, especially on this generation, you know, from, from many, many different angles. As far as your optimism goes about this generation, what are you excited to see them do in this future of ours? Oh, I have so much faith in them. I tell them all the time. I'm like, you guys are going to be, you're going to be the ones that save us. They, <laughs> the way that they just view the world, again, they're aware of all the challenges, specifically with things like injustices, discrimination, um, climate change, all of these burdens that have kind of been 
like passed on to their generation from previous ones it's so inspiring that they don't feel like resentful about that they almost see it as a challenge and I just I'm really excited to see kind of what they do with it because their perspectives are so new and fresh and we'll talk about what can we do to like help with racial injustice in your community and they'll just have these ideas that I would have never even thought of and it's just amazing to see that they're so open and accepting and they want to do this and really that is the majority of their generation which is phenomenal that it's not just one or two leaders it's like the whole class will have these great ideas so I think that that's really amazing well that is a huge gift and perhaps that is part of the idea of maybe some of the benefits of the social media or the technology access is the idea of just being able to have that just that access access to knowledge access to information and it sounds like you're dealing with a very curious yet I would say progressive generation which is exciting that yeah, makes me optimistic I feel excited yeah. about that <laughs> Good. And I think another thing too, absolutely like access to information and learning more than previous generations. But I think that through that, there's been a lot of empathy that they've been able to develop where maybe mm. it hasn't been in the past. So like hearing stories from people that are in different positions in themselves, whether it's like in within our own country or somewhere else in the world, or just people they would have never had come in contact with. So being able to connect with those people or hear their stories more easily, I think it just has really created this empathy that makes them truly want to help and make a difference. I have some incredible, you know, clients in my practice and and individuals that I work with and mentor and and even they're involved as podcasts that are part of that generation, you know, Z or Z. And I'm excited to have them involved in the sense that this is definitely in alignment with that idea of change. You know, yes. as far as you see your education style evolving and growing, how do you see this changing for future generations to come? Yeah, I think that kind of we were talking a little bit in terms of like social justice. And I really, mm -hmm. as I mentioned, like I teach social sciences. So one thing that's great about that is it can be so applicable to our own lives. And I really think that there kind of needs to be more of a shift in all subjects to look at it from a social justice angle, whether it's from just incorporating more like racially diverse individuals and authentic voice from that perspective. I mentioned that I teach English. So trying to incorporate texts and authors that are from different backgrounds and ethnicities and even sexual orientations, incorporating them into the conversation where it's really been predominantly white cisgendered authors in the past usually male. So I think that it's important that we kind of are moving forward and looking at all kinds of voices that are incorporated into the conversation for education. And when I've done that in my practice, my teaching practice, I've found a really good response. So when I've incorporated texts from Indigenous authors, for example, I find that the students get a lot out of that. It's something different. It's something new. They get to see the argument from a different side. So I think that that is something that's really important that keeps changing within education. And another big thing that I think would be really important is that there definitely needs to be kind of a shift in education to focus on, as you're talking about, some of those soft skills, like coping with your mental health, things like self-regulation, building teamwork and leadership, like entrepreneurial skills. I think that there needs to be more of a focus on that. The education system really has not changed in the last hundred years when it was originally created to essentially train people to go into factory work kind of students sit in desks they do that their independent tasks on pen or paper 
maybe a laptop now, but same kind of idea. I think that there should be more of a shift in like working groups and again, kind of building those skills that would be maybe considered more entrepreneurial to kind of prepare them for this changing world. So I know that's kind of radical and changing the whole education system, but I think that that would be a good change to see. I'd be fully behind that. Absolutely. As somebody who yeah. has an entrepreneurial heart that I can say yes. started from the age of about, I can say probably seven years old when I started trying to sell stuff or figure out ways to make money from a creative standpoint, which I definitely mm -hmm. feel like in my education and even with the individuals that I work with now, if they had more opportunity to have that diversity, to have that entrepreneurial, the idea of the teamwork, the idea of working within groups and and creativity as being, you know, the focus or the drive, I think you'd see a huge shift support that yeah. completely. Yeah. And I think that you mentioned creativity and sometimes in the education world that creativity can be stifled. So again, kind of an old school approach, but it seems to be carrying through is the idea of kind of learning someone else's ideas and memorizing and regurgitating them and just proving that you've been able to like remember ideas rather than create your own. So like, I just think it would be so much more more influential, impactful if students were given the chance to develop their own ideas and be more creative in what they're doing. Again, to kind of lean into that entrepreneurial skill set, I just think that will really benefit them so much more in the world that we're seeing now than in the past where it was important to be able to kind of follow rules and follow what you've said. But now we need to see change. We need to see innovation. So teaching them how to do that is really going to be important in the next decade or however long. That's hugely inspiring. And I absolutely believe that that is part of our, you know, the evolution, part of the collective shift that's happening. You know, we feel that idea of the rise, the idea of you're needing to change as a collective, as this population, as a group, as a society, however we want to label it, things that have to evolve. And I think definitely, as you mentioned, parts of our system are very archaic. As you mentioned, they're, you know, made absolutely. over a century ago in alignment with the idea of mass production and manufacturing. Areas, mm -hmm. especially in parts of North America, are very, very limited, not to mention global in certain areas. So certainly it's important that I think we look at it from a different lens, a different lens of perspective. And I love yeah. that you're offering that today to many of us, because again, a lot of us are seeing Gen Z through a very different lens. And again, it's important that I think people as frontline are stepping up and saying, you know, these people are incredible. They're incredible beings. They have huge potential and a lot to offer. And we need to give them the best opportunities possible. I love that you said that because I think a lot of times people are very intimidated by adolescents or even Gen Z in general. Mm -hmm. um, I hear that a lot, but I just, I think that they really do have so much to give and are overlooked a lot. I hear that when I talk to them, I'll ask them kind of about how they feel about their own agency. And they'll often say like, we're overlooked. People think that all we care about is social media. All we care about is our kind of arbitrary things, but they do have so much passion for really making a difference. And I, I think that that's overlooked a lot. They just kind of call them like the social media generation. And then they brush them aside and don't consider their opinions valid. But I think giving them a chance and like listening to them and hearing them out, they do have so much to give. They have so much to say. So giving them a platform is really important for me too in my classroom as well. How powerful. And again, what a gift for them to have that platform. And again, to know that it's without judgment. You know, one of my things that I, I stand by firmly is, you know, you cannot love someone and judge someone in the same breath. And so Absolutely. You know, we choose wisely when we're with individuals. And so 
I honor you that you hold space for your class and that you offer them that freedom. As far as a parent thing to this, which I know many of them are listening, we have a Gen Zer. There's some words of advice or some, you know, things we can hold space for our students, for our children, because I think that's important because it's it takes a village and it's not always easy to navigate, you know, and I think you're giving everyone a really, really fresh perspective on this. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. I think that one thing that I would kind of say to parents of Gen Z and just from what I've seen working with them and kind of talking to them, I just think that honestly giving them a little bit of a break because <laughs> I do feel like I hear that there's a lot of pressure on them, whether it's their school or just how they're expected to behave or worrying about getting into university or what their future is going to look like. Again, because they're so aware of the way the world is that often feels very overwhelming to think about the future for them. So I think just showing that empathy and just kind of understanding that they do have a lot on their shoulders and that they do kind of take on a lot, specifically in this pandemic, they've just, they've been through so much, even if you just look at their schooling and how that's been impacted. Even that alone has just been so chaotic. So giving them kind of a bit of a break and just sitting down and talking about how they feel. I think opening a dialogue like how are you feeling today would go a really long way with a lot of adolescents and Gen Z people. I think just saying like, what's what's going on? How are you feeling today? That would allow them to feel like their feelings are valid and that what they're feeling is okay. I think that's important too, is to not shame them for feeling sad or feeling anxious or feeling nervous and talk about how that's an okay feeling and giving them maybe some strategies to overcome it, but just really allowing them to feel what they're feeling. I think that's probably my best piece of advice. I would fully stand in alignment with that. It's amazing what you happen when you open up the dialogue is something mm -hmm. as simple as, you know, how are you feeling? But sometimes even, you know, in the day-to-day -day mundane parts, it's amazing how sometimes those things get forgotten with the people that need it the most. Exactly. <laughs> I definitely appreciate that reminder for all of us. Definitely. You know, as yeah. far as you are concerned, I know you as being an absolutely incredible avid reader and somebody who is extremely current and many a thing. And so what right <laughs> now is filling your bucket? What's inspiring you or what areas are you passionate about right now outside of your education, of course, and that aspect? Yeah, no, you mentioned how much I love reading. And I do again, I'm that kind of quintessential English teacher. I always say that to my students, I really am a true book nerd. I read all the time as much as I can. And I think in that kind of sphere, I definitely have I've set kind of challenges for myself to read. I'm really trying my best to read new books, as many new books as I can a year. I usually go between 20 to 25. I'm trying for 30 this year. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Amazing. But that... Yes, you are. <laughs> Love that. And that's good inspiration for all of us. I think, thank you for inspiring us, Samantha, because I think all of us need to go, yes, we do. Pick up that book now. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone's interested in the app Goodreads, it's a good one to like track what you're reading. I use that one. You can set challenges for yourself, which is kind of satisfying and it congratulates you when you finish a book. So um, <laughs> we all maybe need that a little bit. A little lives. bit of validation and confirmation is a good thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you for sure. Yeah. So within that, I'm trying my best to again, read all new authors, but trying to read authors from a diverse set of backgrounds. So I'm looking at black authors, I'm looking at female authors, I'm looking at authors who are in the LGBTQ plus community, just trying to really just broaden my horizons and look at people's experiences that are different from my own. And I know that 
for some people that might sound really overwhelming, but for me, I actually really thrive off that and get really inspired. When I read stories by an Indigenous author, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to incorporate this into a lesson with my class. So by kind of seeing that or like, oh, this is such a great way to talk about like racial bias or systemic racism in the classroom. So when I read those types of things, it's it's interesting, but it's also inspiring for me. I think it's actually hugely inspiring. And again, what a gift for your class to have a teacher who is currently staying updated on everything they need to hear. I think that's a huge gift. And so I much appreciate the value that you add to your students' education. As oh, far thank as- you so much. Outside of that part, what else do we do to fill our bucket to keep our mental health strong and, and feeling good? Yeah, I think it's important to, again, connect with people and, and talk to people. Sometimes within the education sphere, you can kind of get sucked in with all of your teacher friends and focusing on everything that's going on in education and kind of getting sucked into that negativity. So for me to kind of make sure I'm communicating and talking to people who are outside of that and really connecting with those friends and family who are having different experiences for sure. Yeah, I I really do enjoy listening to music. That's one of my passions as well. So I find that very mindful. I actually, one thing that really helps my mental health is actually going for a drive. So I, I love driving and listening to music. It really clears my head, kind of gets me back into that headspace. So a little bit of a commute is nice for me. <laughs> And I appreciate that. And I'm sure many of our listeners would resonate with that as well and definitely find yeah. that as part of their mindfulness practice. Yeah, right. listening to podcasts. That's a great thing when you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time. And I want to thank you for sharing with us about Gen Z and your education experiences and about what's inspiring you for our future gens to come. I definitely would love to have you on again, and I'd definitely yeah. love to explore more topics around this, as I feel like there are many of our listeners who could really resonate with, you know, definitely many of the topics that we brought up today. So thank you again, yeah, Samantha. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again. I send you love and light. Thank you.